1: They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Jazz, The Two men. Bree saw that he drop kick him one. The tables have been turned. A double drop kick. Tommy is just giving it all. He's just reaching down to that inner part that every great athlete that has to be able to come up with to go above and beyond the Call of Duty. You look at this teamwork. One, two, we got new champions. Jim, we got new. Universal Wrestling Federation Champions. This place has just exploded. This place pandemonium. The roof come off. The place is upside down. We got new champions. The Sheep Herders have and been it. defeated. And the new champions are American. Tommy Rogers and Bobby Bolton. Rogers and Bolton, the fantastic this place is standing. What a victory. Yeah. They've pulled it out. They've pulled it out. Look at the sheepherders and Jack victory. They're totally, they just cannot believe it. They cannot believe it. What a phenomenal match.
4: This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by IRWnetwork.com. Head on over to IRWnetwork.com every Monday for brand new episodes of the Triple Threat podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas as well as John and myself, the two-man power trip of wrestling, only on the IRW Network and IRWnetwork.com. Owned and operated by the one and only Eric Bischoff, Indies Rule over at IRW Network, and see some great wrestling action and listen to some very cool wrestling podcasts over on IRWnetwork.com. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and I'm joined every week on the two man power trip by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are getting back into that time machine, heading into an era of tag team wrestling that we love, alongside a very fantastic guest, the one and only, one half of the Fantastics, Bobby Fulton. And Bobby Fulton is a guy that definitely fits in well with the guests that we've had on as of late. Obviously, a well-traveled veteran all over the map with his partner Tommy Rogers as part of the Fantastics. They won tag team championships everywhere that they went. And really, when you think about some of the the feuds and opponents that they had, wrestled everybody and tore down the house in every single town that they wrestled in. And when you think about a guy like Bobby Fulton, you think of some wars with the Midnight Express. But I think my favorite run of a guy like Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers, that team of the Fantastics, was when they were in the UWF and taking on Eddie Gilbert and John Tatum and even a young Sting. And it was a really, really tight and crazy feud that if you go back and watch the clips all over, it's pretty much all over YouTube, their whole entire feud, the electricity that goes through the building is unparalleled, but it also goes back to that era of tag team wrestling where you could put two amazing workers like Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton together, and they could put together something special. But they also were quite innovative as well, and Tommy Rogers doesn't get a lot of the credit that he deserves for some of that innovation. And uh, even though our buddy Kevin Thorne might have a little bit of a dispute in the fact that uh, Tommy Rogers was a, little bit, of a uh, little bit of a rider to him as he was getting his teeth cut in the business, But Bobby Fulton was also a great technician, and he also was amazing when it came to some of those high-flying, big agility-style moves, and they definitely were a team that was ahead of their time. But John, I know this is one that you've been dying to dig into, so I'm going to welcome you in here now and why don't you tell us a little bit of some of the finer points that we have to look forward to in this interview, as well as some of the highlights
3: of a great chat with the fantastic one, Bobby Fulton. Yes, Chad, the two-man power trip is back, and we're hitting the legend circuit. Yes, Mr. Fantastic himself, the Fantastic, Bobby Fulton, joins the show, and perhaps long overdue joining the show because he fits this show like a glove. We love talking to the legends. We love going back into the history of the business. We love going through all the territories and talking about legendary feuds and legendary matches and just anything old school we absolutely love and of course the fantastics was obviously the tag team that bobby fulton was a part of with tommy rogers the fantastics they've been everywhere they wrestled everywhere such an underrated tag team such underrated legends i feel like people often forget and i know for a fact that my tag partner chad was saying that oh man um you know you kind of told me to watch this match against the Midnight Express or watch this match against the Sheepherders. I forgot how great the Fantastics were they were such great workers so even if my tag partner on this show forgets I think a lot of the fans have probably forgotten too but it's a good thing, you know, you can check out YouTube or check out W Network or maybe do some old school tape trading. You know, there are many ways to go find some fantastic matches, but definitely go out of your way, whether it's NWA, whether it's JCP, AWA, Smoky Mountain, UWF, World Class. WWE in Puerto Rico, All Japan Pro Wrestling, they had uh, a brief period in WCW and the WWF. So go out of your way and really search the Fantastics, such an underrated tag team. They were great and obviously the feud with the Midnight Express, it's almost like, man, the Midnight Express is such an awesome team, who can keep up with these guys, the Rock and Roll Express, yes, obviously, but who were some other great matchups and the Fantastics were that other awesome matchup. Even Jimmy Cornette has said it a couple times even on our show that the uh, Fantastics were such a great opponent for the Midnight Express. Such memorable matches. Such legendary matches. And then of course you cannot forget about the Sheep Herders. And if there's one match in particular you should definitely definitely go out of your way to see. 1986 Crockett Cup. It is a five star match. Dave Meltzer approved. Sheep Herders versus the Fantastics. Go out of your way and see that one. That is an amazing match and it just shows you the fantastic not all you know high flying great work they can brawl a little bit too and really get into it so sit back relax enjoy a trip down memory lane with one of the most underrated wrestlers in the business an underrated legend for sure the fantastic bobby fulton i will definitely agree with you that it is long overdue
4: for bobby fulton to be gracing these airwaves But I will kind of dispute the fact that I did have to go back and do some research because if you're privy to one of John's one sheets in preparation of any of these interviews, you would know every single feud and know exactly where to go to watch a match if you had to pinpoint something of a guy like Bobby Fulton because John breaks down basically what these guys had for breakfast on the morning of their big matches, whether it was with the midnight express or anybody else that they feuded with and all the great places that they wrestled. So it was awesome to have Bobby Fulton on what a nice guy. And we hope you enjoy this interview. So, John, as we wrap it up here, let's remind everybody, get on over to the IRWnetwork.com and listen to the Triple Threat Podcast every Monday on IRWnetwork.com. And actually, funny enough, Shane Douglas has had some wars with Bobby Fulton recently out there in Ohio and kind of a series of matches, some brutal, brutal matches from what... We've seen all over social media while they've been building these up. But, yeah, there's another funny tie-in with the Triple Threat and Bobby Fulton. So if you can, why don't you go uh, research those matches via Twitter. But head on over to IRW Network every single Monday for a brand-new episode of the Triple Threat Podcast. This coming episode on Monday will be all franchised Answered questions that's right the ask franchise anything segment which looks to be the benchmark segment for our show is all on episode number eight coming this monday so stay tuned for that and john as the music starts to creep in hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the fantastic bobby fulton
3: now for some tmpt business like us on facebook follow us on twitter at two-man power trip and at wrestling pal Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. August 12th at the Icons Collector's Fest in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. September 9th, the Subway one-year anniversary in Keensburg, New Jersey, with the hardcore icon, Tommy Dreamer. October 21st, we hit Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy, Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 1125 with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. There will be a four horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, is a former two-time NWA United States Tag Team Champion, a former UWF Tag Team Champion, a former WCCW Tag Champion. He is the fantastic Bobby Fulton. Please enjoy.
5: Joining us on the line tonight is a quite fantastic guest, and I'll use that pun every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. He is a two-time NWA United States UWF and World Class Championship Wrestling Tag Team Champion. He is a former Smoky Mountain Wrestling and AWA Southern Tag Team Champion. I said he's fantastic, and he's one half of one of the greatest tag teams of the 80s. He is the one and only... Fantastic. Bobby Fulton, thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling.
2: Hey, brother. I'm excited about being on the two-man power trip. What happened here? Somebody started talking. Some woman started talking. I thought you said it was a two-man power trip. Am I still on here? Yeah,
5: <laughs> no, we got you. You're still here. It's a two-man power trip. Don't mind the, uh, the lady in the background. She's only there for... Uh, for existential purposes, no need to uh, to worry about her. But we're so happy to have you on the line tonight. We yes, talked to you yes,
2: yes. You, you missed one title. I was the Bud Tussle, you, the Bud Tussle Junior Heavyweight Champion back in 1981.
5: Oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed that one. We'll definitely we will get into all of that. That's pretty. Uh, that's yes. pretty good there, but. I, you know, yeah. we've had a lot of your contemporaries on, we've had a lot of your opponents, and it's definitely, it's uh, it's really cool to get you on tonight, but I just want to kind of get this out of the way first, and obviously, I don't want to start off on a sour note, but we just want to, we're going to be talking about your your tag team partner, the great Tommy Rogers, like crazy tonight, yeah. so I just want to get this out of the way, if we can, and it's looking back about 18 months since his passing, and we've seen you on the road, John and I are Northeast guys. We've seen you at some of the Northeast conventions, and we've seen you out there. It's kind of strange to see you by yourself, but we see you with the bow tie. We see you still out there. But how have you been, and how's the scene been? You know, kind of going about it by yourself right now, obviously, since the passing of your tag team partner.
2: Well, brother, I'll tell you one thing right now Tommy Rogers was one of the greatest athletes to ever lace on a pair of wrestling boots. Him and I first met back in 1983 in Memphis, Tennessee, not as tag team partners, but we were just wrestlers. And later on in '84, we became partners in a team that was only supposed to be together for 90 days, but we were together as far as a team for a a lot longer than that. And I'm not saying it because it was him and I, but I'm saying it because it's a fact. We went out there night in and night out and wrestled our hearts out in front of thousands, and thousands of wrestling fans. And for me today, I, I can't tell you how devastated I was to get the news that Tommy Rogers had passed. I uh, It hurt me so bad because for, for so long, it was either him or I calling saying, Tommy, this person's passed. And this person's passed. And did you hear this, Bobby? And yes, did you hear this, Tommy? And then for me to get the call that Tommy Rogers had passed away. It 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 takes a lot out of you. And what incidentally, incidentally, but I called Buddy and said Buddy Landale and said Buddy, Tommy Rogers has passed away today. And Buddy said, Bobby, it gets harder each day. He said, There's more on that side than this side. And then about two days later, Buddy Landale passed, and of course, uh. Dusty Rhodes and Roddy Piper and them all around at the same time. But, I mean, you know, uh, it's tough, man. But, you know, on the other hand, I am a Christian, and I believe what the Bible says. And I believe that there's a life hereafter, and that hereafter is either heaven or another place called hell. And the last year, the last year, not the last six months, but the last year, Tommy and I, spoke almost daily about the Bible and what the Bible has to say about eternal life. So I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he is in a place called heaven, and only because he trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent, but I just wanted to assure people that I have comfort in knowing that, because as King David said in the Scriptures, when his little boy had died after him and Bathsheba had had relations, he said, you know what? He got cleaned up after he found out he passed away. He ate him a good meal. He said, one thing about it is, I know my son is never coming back, but one day I'll go to him. And that is exactly what will happen. One day I'll go the same way. Tommy Rogers, all of us are going go. But listen, in the meantime, I'm going to celebrate life. And I am thankful, thankful to God Almighty for this opportunity to talk to you guys in the Northeast, the bad Chad and big bad John. Listen, guys, there's things in life that you never get over, but you get through it. You persevere. There are so many things that's happened in my life personally. Throughout when I wanted to start as a wrestler, I mean, when I left home after graduating high school to be a professional wrestler, a lot of people don't realize this, but I started wrestling at the age of 16. You go after we get done doing this tonight, you go to Bobby Fulton versus Steve Travis You'll see me wrestling for the WWWF. I'm about 17 or 18 years old. So, night of my high school graduation ceremony, I chose to go there instead. It was not my first trip, but it was one of uh, quite a few that I made there. Bruno San Martino and Vince McMahon is doing the collar commentating. And this, I said that to say all this that, uh, that uh, I had a dream as a young boy, and God has blessed me beyond all measure to get a chance to wrestle with a great partner like Tommy Rogers. Not only that, but to, to uh, wrestle with my brother, Jackie Fulton, George Hines. I'm, me and, me and, me and uh, Jackie Fulton were Jimmy and George Hines, the Hines boys from Chillicothe, Ohio. After Tommy had uh, tried to go home to put his marriage together, uh, my brother and I started teaming up with Tommy's blessings, of course. And then me and Tommy would still go to Japan and still do some shows. But I don't know if you all got a chance to see my brother, but he was another great athlete. And then even before that, the fantastic ones was Terry Taylor and I for a brief short-lived run in 1983 in which a a little-known manager that never made much after the fact of this that you don't even get to hear of him today. But Jim Cornette uh, was one of his uh, <laughs> first places where he had got a break in everything, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm the one that totally predicted his entire career from being a manager to a fucker to everything, and he has me to blame for putting that, for putting that hex on him, I guess you'd call it, or whatever it was, uh, Jim Cornette, but uh, I know I'm kind of babbling, but guys, I, I babble when it comes to professional wrestling, because I kind of loaded up like a double-barrel shotgun, just like when I'm speaking at church or whatever. There's just so much to say in so short a time, and I want to hear what you guys got to say.
5: Oh, I could listen to you talk all night long. You hit so many things that we're going to touch on, too, because, uh, you know, John and I, we consider ourselves to be, uh, you know, quote-unquote historians of the business, and obviously you mentioned a lot of stuff in there that covers a lot of your career, but also, yeah, the intersection of a lot of wrestling careers, and one of them was Jim Cornette, who... Um, I, I want to talk about your your partner again, and we're going to, but I just want to touch on the Jim Cornette yes. point. He's gone on record as he's saying many a times that even though the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express had these legendary matches that nobody's going to ever forget, that he felt that the Fantastics and the Midnight Express had better in-ring matches night after night. And I think that that's really cool because of that association that you have with Jim Cornette. But, yeah, you predicted it all the way back then, but what was it about Jim Cornette that really stood out to you all the way back in 1984 down there in Memphis when uh, yeah. I guess it was supposed to be even, the fantastic even, ones, you and Terry Taylor?
2: Even before that, you see, when I first went to Memphis, I was just coming off of, from a ride oh, always before. I, I'm a lot better still than I ever was a baby face. And I had got up my arm broke in a ride in Kentucky. And I was healing up, and I'd called Angel Acevedo, the Cuban assassin, who was wrestling in Memphis to try to get me on there. And he got me an opportunity to go there. And I started going to Louisville and Evansville, and I was broke from healing up from a broken arm. And Jimmy Cornett and his mother worked for Miss Christine Jarrett. And I would go to Louisville, and me and Jimmy and Thelma Cornett would ride from Louisville to Evansville, and it helped me out, and me and Jimmy became great friends. As a matter of fact, Jimmy turned me on to the wrestling style of Tiger Mask. Because see, i would met Dynamite Kid. Because I worked for Stu Hart. Even before that, I'd went up there and wrestled, and everything. But I seen the Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask; they were unbelievable. But Jimmy loved the wrestling business. He ate, drank, and slept it. He was a great student of the game. And as a matter of fact, he, he knew so much. I told him, I said, Jimmy, you, you might not ever be a wrestler, but someday you're going to be a manager. You're going to be something big in the wrestling business. You're going to be a booker. He just had su- such a great knowledge of professional wrestling, and he was a great photographer. Back then, he was the one that took all the pictures and stuff of the guys in Memphis and, and different areas and things. But uh, me and Jimmy had been friends that long now. With that being said, as a rival tag team and and I appreciate the the comment that you said about what Jimmy said. We wrestled the Midnight Express, both versions of Everboy Dennis and Beautiful Bobby, there in Mid South and also in world class. And then we later faced Sweet State and Beautiful Bobby. Both combinations was unbelievable in the rain. It was like poetry in motion. And I and I and I'm so uh, tickled at the fact that he said that about the Rock and Roll Express who I remember when the Rock and Roll Express became the Rock and Roll Express. We were in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was there wrestling underneath. And Jerry Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett had uh, had uh, Jerry Lawler had came in and threw a box of uh, of uh, handkerchiefs and all kinds of stuff to Rick and Robert, and said, "You guys are Rock and Roll Express. Uh, here you go." And they started trying to tie these bandanas and stuff on them, and they became the Rock and Roll Express. So, so. Uh, i've always i've always admired Ricky and Robert in their wrestling abilities as a team and look at them they're still going strong today but i am also blessed to have been a part of great tag team matches with uh the midnight express and i thought they were really great and tremendous as a matter of fact i was told a while back that at nXT and things that a lot of times when they show matches to the wrestlers the young guys that that perhaps that's one of the tag team matches that they you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard people, you know, say that, you know.
5: Yeah, which I think is great, and I kind of uh, there's kind of a, a little dose of hilarity there that people down in WWE Developmental are not watching a lot of the classic tag teams of the WWF, WWE, WWWF. They're watching the Fantastics. They're watching both Incarnations of the Midnight Express or they're watching the Rock and Roll Express or even the RPMs, and all these great tag teams to come out of that southern area that was not a WWF product at that point. But what is it about the tag team scene of that era, the 80s, the late 70s, early 80s, that we still to this day, we can go back, we can watch it, dissect it just like we would any other great match that happens on Monday Night Raw. But what is it about that era that we still are just so smitten by it and just go back to watch it all the time?
2: Well, because I'm gonna tell you this and a lot of I know a lot of people don't read this, but the same stuff the reason why you're smitten by it is because that very same stuff still works today, but you have to know how to apply it. It's like me. Years ago my brother ex brother in law said, Let's go up here and change the roof on my house. I said, Sure, we'll start at six in the morning on, on August the fourth in North Carolina. We started at six by nine o'clock, we are ready to be rushed to the hospital. You see, you have to know how to do that. It's it's a it's a learned match. And what I'm saying is, it's, there's a lot of intric, 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 you guys say it. Intricacies. Intricacies. Intricacies of a tag team match. That's left. It's like dotting an i and crossing a t. And I can watch matches a day and say, boy, they just could have got so much more out of it. It's like this. It's like, for example, watching a a ball go slowly over the fence. It ain't the idea that it goes over, but it's the anticipation of watching that. You understand what I'm saying in a major league ball game? If you think about it, it's pop, fly, high, high, high. Could it be? It's the anticipation. And you see, in tag team matches, it's all about the anticipation. The anticipation of, will he make the tag? And the anticipation of, he's drawing the referee away, they're doing something dirty. You see, when you take away heroes and villains out of the equation, it's like taking a square peg and trying to put it into a round hole. It just doesn't fit in professional wrestling, which I like the style. I, I mean, I, I'm, agree, I'm agree. I'm in agreement with every match can't just be a series of arm drags or set-high side headlocks and take, takeovers. But when you take out the ideal of the, the good guy versus the bad guy, to me, man, that's taking out a big chunk. It's almost like ordering a steak dinner, and you get the baked potato and the salad, and you're looking for the steak, and it just never comes. You still eat the meal, but there's something big missing. And that steak is the good guy and the bad guy. Come on, man. We all want a hero. We all want someone to hate. In every movie you go to, or most of them, if they're that type of movies, the good guy and the bad guy. John Wayne. John Wayne. We couldn't wait till he beat that bad guy, or shot him, or killed him, or whatever. Or Clint Eastwood is Dirty Harry. I mean, when we take that away, and I've said it now four times or five, when we take that away, it hurts it. And I think that's what's hurting in wrestling today now. With that being said, going back to the tag team matches. And the ideal of getting closer, closer, closer It's the anticipation. Just remember and think about this next time you watch tag team match. Where is the anticipation? There's none. There's none. A lot of great moves, but there's no anticipation. And they put their passion in the moves instead of, you know, it's just like watching a magician. He don't do, he don't saw a woman in half, and then he runs over real quick and and gets put in the water torture tank, and then comes right out. You've got to absorb that. And I think that's what's missing today with the tag team wrestling. That's why it makes our tag team matches so relevant as my son Dylan likes that word, relevant, makes our tag team matches. where we could put them out there today. If we had the same abilities we have then today and go to a WWE match, I guarantee you, because I'm going to give you, for example, me and Eric Embry, have you guys ever heard of Eric Embry? Oh, yeah. And me and Eric Embry were wrestling in Southwest Wrestling, and we were battling over a junior heavyweight title down there. And they sent us to Mexico to wrestle. Every Mexican match was flip-flopping, flying. I mean, just freaking diving, flipping, going everywhere. Me and Eric went out there. We got to the center of the ring, and we stood there and punched each other in the face. The crowd was going nuts because it was something different. They were throwing pesos down there. If they liked your match, they were throwing pesos in the ring because they liked the matches and everything and, and like that. But what I'm trying to say is if we went in there with an 80s-style tag team match, if you had Tommy Rogers, if you had Bobby and, and Stan or Bobby and Dennis and Jim Cornhead out there, we could tear the place down. Tear it down. I guarantee you. I promise you.
5: I think a lot of it has to do with trying to reinvent the wheel and taking something that is essentially – a simple concept, and really just they're they're just trying to do a lot with it. And by the second or third match on the card, whether there was already a tag match or not, you've already seen the face in peril. You've already seen the heel pull out every trick in the book. You've ever you've seen every high spot hit, and it's kind of uh, it kind of takes you out as a fan. But obviously, as somebody who's uh, been in the business and worked many 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 matches, does that frustrate you to see? that you can't just simply watch a wrestling card anymore to see one of each thing. It's like literally by the second match, you've had the whole uh, enchilada, if you will, of wrestling. Well, uh, I'm going adding-
2: to tell you this, guys. I'm going to tell you this. I, I run a wrestling company here in Ohio. And uh, we have heroes versus villains. It says it on the posters. We The good guy comes from one side of the building. The bad guy comes from the other side. They get in the ring and they wrestle. And they we got the people jumping up and down. How many times do you watch the WWE? Now listen to me. And I'm just using them for example because they're what's on television. How many times during the match do you see the people jumping up and down, yelling? Now, they do when they come to the ring. And they do when they leave the ring. But most of the time... They're setting, I don't, when I watch wrestling, I don't watch the wrestlers, I watch the crowd, and that's the one thing I can say about the wrestling at my, at, at my events, and I'm not just saying it guys, they, people call it old school, but Ricky Morton said, no, it ain't old school, it's the right way, or the wrong way, and I'm not being mean, or bad, or whatever like this, like you said, no one will ever reinvent the work wheel. I think that what this men want to do is try to, but you cannot do it. You can call it whatever name you want. You can call it sports entertainment, but it's still professional wrestling. You can call it uh, you can call it uh, hot rod racing, and they're in the ring and they're wrestling. with still wrestling. I mean, I mean, I have so many people tell me. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I, look, I'm pulling for the WWE. And the reason why is because if their business is great, hey, imagine what it was like when you walked down the street years ago and everybody's wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirt. Do you remember those days, guys?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely.
2: That was, to me, was the last big hurrah, him and the Rock. And the reason why I say that was now it's just, and it's nothing against them, they don't want no big superstars. They want the WWE coming to town. And they can put whoever they want on the, on the marquee. No, the WWE is on the marquee. It's no longer Stone Cold versus Rock or John Cena versus somebody because there's nobody really hot enough to put up there. You, you understand what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. I, mean, Absolutely. I mean, I'm
2: still a fan of wrestling. I still like it. I, I like a lot of the old tapes and stuff like that. But I want the WWE to prosper. I want them to do good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm uh, not. I'm not against them. But but you can't reinvent the wheel. That's all. You can try all you want. Hmm.
0: Definitely is not like uh, you know the old days or like you say like quote unquote old school and stuff like that. But you know, I wanted to talk about the fantastic a little bit. I know we talked about obviously and Tommy Rogers before, but. You know, sometimes you throw two guys together and they're both could be good workers and maybe they don't have chemistry or whatever. How did you and Tommy kinda of create that chemistry and become one of the greatest tag teams as far as work rate of all time? Because not everyone that gets put together as a team has that type of chemistry. You no.
2: Know, you know what? All I can tell you is this. And I'm, what I'm about to tell you is funny. It was magic. It was magical. And why I say that was we went out there, we worked our guts out, and magic took place. You know, a lot of people talk about the Midnight Express, and they talk about the match with the Sheep Herders, but oftentimes we had great matches with Eddie Gilbert and Sting. We had great matches with Jack Victory and John Tatum, Hollywood John Tatum. We had great matches with a lot of tag teams, uh, Dr. Death and Ted DiBiase. I mean, just so many different teams. And me and Tommy both, five foot nine. We we realized, I guess, we didn't say it, but we wrote I realized one thing, that I wouldn't have got as far without him and he wouldn't have got as far without me. Because it was that team I remember one time do you guys remember Big Cat Ernie last?
0: Oh yeah. Yep.
2: I remember knocking him down one time, me and Tommy had done something. And he was laying on the flat of his back and I picked his leg up and I had his leg was taller than I was. And I thought, what am I going to do with it? And so I put it over my neck like a pump handle type toehold. But I mean, the big cat Ernie Ladd, you know. But, uh, but uh, concerning Tommy Rogers and I, like I said, it was supposed to have been a 90-day replacement team, and that was it. And Bill Watts and Bill Dundee put Tommy and I together. And it was magical. We had tremendous matches with a lot of great tag teams, and the RPMs too, the others I'm thinking about, and different people, as I think back over the times. And in Japan, we had a lot of great matches with a lot of, lot of great talent, from the British Bulldogs, to Danny Crawford and Doug Furness, uh, the uh, Kenta Kabashis, and, uh, uh, and one of my favorite ones over there, I think that they've taken it all YouTube was Joe Malenko, Jody Malenko, and a guy called Kikuchi. I can't say his first name. And not Dean Malenko, but Jody Malenko, who was trained by Carl Gotch. And, man, we went out there in the Budokan. It was 20,000 people. And it was like a tin can because the people were, like, straight up. And it was just unbelievable the match we had with those guys. If you would watch it, you would say wrestling is real wrestling is real and see that's what I think the people want I say this every time I talk to people when you see Santa Claus in the mall I got all kinds of people trying to call me I have I have sorry guys I I got tons of people beeping, beeping me but what I was getting ready to say is when you go to the mall to see Santa Claus you don't want to see a guy there in a pair of blue jeans in a t-shirt, and you're all skinny. You want to see the guy in the suit. And uh, that's what I think wrestling needs to be, too, as far as it goes. I want to hear you guys talk. I'm, I'm tired of talking.
0: <laughs> no, we we love it. We uh, we like getting the history lesson and kind of going through it. I love that you mentioned uh, Kikuchi and Kete Kobashi and obviously the Bulldogs and all those awesome all Japan matches, but, you know, because you had so many great tours. Yeah. The one of the first teams you mentioned was a team you had a five-star match with and unbelievable feud you feud obviously all over the map but you know in in jcp at you know, the crockett cup 86 you guys had that five five-star match with the sheep herders. what was it like working yes. with them they just seemed like a totally unpredictable crazy duo
2: yeah they were and uh man i tell you what it was a good combination because they were wild, like wild animals and we were the we were the young white meat baby faces, meaning that we were there to draw the women to the wrestling matches. That demographic, and it was just unbelievable how uh, how uh, our matches with them guys were. Those guys were really something else. And I mean, my goodness, man, they we they they made they made us make believers out of everybody. And what I meant was that was hey, these guys. Talk about Tommy and I, well, I was going to say these two handsome guys, I wasn't talking about Luke and Butch, <laughs> but I'm just saying, they said these guys were, not only did they look good, but man, they got in the ring, they were willing to bleed like stuck hogs. they were willing to fight to the no end, and you know, a lot of guys, people don't realize this, but Jonathan Boyd, who was one of the sheep herders as well, that guy was incredible, and we wrestled against that version in Rip Morgan. I don't know if you guys remember that version of the Sheep Herders or not. Oh, yeah. You see, and uh, everything. So, so the Sheep Herders were unbelievable. I had a guy from New York. I can't think of his name. I, I think his name is George something. And he told me, he said, when I came to the New Orleans Superdome to watch that, watch that Crocker Cup, He said, I seen you standing there. And I thought, what's that little blonde-haired guy going to do, man? He said, I'm used to seeing the big guys in New York, even back then. You know, New York was a big man's territory. You know, not that Southern-style wrestling. And he said, man, I, I went out there. He said, and you guys went out there and stole the show. And if people don't know it, every tag team, that was anybody in the world was there at that Crockett Cup. From Giant Baba, the Tiger mass to the Road Warriors, to everybody that was anybody was there in that tournament. And for us to be blessed to have been said, the sheepherders and the Fantastics sold the show, that is a true compliment that I am very humbled to receive. And I mean that with all my heart. There was Lady Maxine out there and Jack Victory, and Luke and Butch were great guys. As a matter of fact, Luke Williams kind of gave me my first break in San Antonio. Him and Jonathan Boyd were the bookers, and a lot of people don't realize that. But uh, the the, uh, sheep herders later, the bushwhackers, were bloodthirsty, mate, bloodthirsty, the blood and guts. And uh, they helped get us over, I'll say that much
0: definitely a memorable match anybody out there that uh, needs to see it uh, or should go out there and see you definitely you need to see it five-star match obviously one of the greatest matches of all time definitely one of the greatest tag matches of all time and it's funny because not a lot of people think of them as as great workers obviously they think of the fantastic as great workers they never really think of the sheep herders as the great workers
2: you know what the difference is brother they're hard workers you understand what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. By yep. being
2: a hard worker, they get in the ring and look, look here. How many how many times have you watched the MMA UFC and seen a guy do a backflip off the top cage?
0: After they and won, a few times.
2: Not after they won during the fight.
0: Oh no! Never, never.
2: never. And if you'll notice. And guys don't understand this. That type that type that that stuff's that stuff's good, but look, the sheep herders, what they did equaled a backflip off the top of the cage. you understand what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Those guys were incredible. The people believed it. Their promos were unbelievable and not unbelievable but believable. But what I'm saying was they had lots of heat. And they had the ability to draw money because people wanted to see them get beat. We were getting ready to wrestle them in WCW, and then they left and went to New York. They were setting up to go. Dusty had setting that up to go into that same feud we did in UWF. We were going to do it again in uh, in the NWA, and then they went to they went on and went to uh, went to New York and became the Bushwhackers, which probably blessed them with longevity and a career because, my goodness, the you know, that wrestling style they were doing was just unbelievable, you know. But they are great.
0: You guys seem like, you know, obviously that was like the epic uh, time for all those great tags. And it seems like you guys are, wherever you went, seemingly end up with a great feud or, you know, against a great team we mentioned, the Midnight Express. But then even like uh, Arn and Tully, who were just uh, you know a horseman, some of the greatest tag team. Yeah, well.
2: we had great matches with them. We wrestled them in that Crockett Cup down in New Orleans, and then we wrestled them in that other Crockett Cup. I remember, I think Jim uh, Dylan's infamous shoe knocked me out in the match, or something like that. But uh, he must have had a heavier phone than than, uh, than Maxwell Smart. <laughs> I think he must have had some concrete in that shoe, that loafer. Awesome he, he knocked a lot of big men out. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> you guys, it seemed like you know, whoever you kind of were in there with, you just and had great chemistry. Even, you know, the Russians as well. We were kind of mentioned Ivan Koloff before, but you get getting in there with the Russians as well. You guys had great chemistry.
2: Ivan Koloff was a machine in wrestling. He's paying the price now because of it but he was a machine in the ring. Another guy that was a machine in the ring, and another team that we wrestled with was Dirty Dutch Men telling and Bill Dundee, and Bill Dundee reminded me of this the other day. We were wrestling in Baton Rouge, and they were beating me at the whip and a fan rolled in the ring, and Bill turned it around and took that handle and hit that fan in the face with it, and he <laughs> split his face open, and he, all of a sudden, the guy, yelled, I better get out of here. <laughs> see people forget that man that was the other thing bad guys used to have to fight for their lives to the ring and from the ring you know what I'm saying and uh, and our feud with Bill Dundee and Dutch Mantell was in the Mid-South area and it was unbelievable it was wild it was something else Bill Dundee had told me I couldn't do that shape no more do that Fargo strut and I said, what do you know, Bill Dundee? And he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Bobby Polk. If, you, if, if someone pins me, you're going to get that beautiful pink jumpsuit. Well, Bill was wrestling. Something happened. Little Coco the Midget beat Bill Dundee and took off running with that little jumpsuit, pink jumpsuit. And it made Bill Dundee so mad that he was ready to kill somebody. So all of a sudden, it was Dirty Dutch Mantell and them started beating me. I got people calling me. Now it's my son. But uh, yeah, we had great matches with them, guys. With uh, Dundee and Mantell. The, these, these cell phones are great, but what do you do, right?
0: Right. You know, with Dundee, did you have a lot of um, you know positive experience with him? Because obviously, you know, he's kind of the one that put you together with with um, Tommy Rogers make it fantastic and everything. Did you feel like like really good chemistry with Dundee for the fact that he seemed to have a lot of faith in you guys?
2: Bill Dundee was my father in wrestling. Bill Dundee helped me so much. Tell Jaron that I'm on this phone talking. And uh, Bill Dundee was like a dad to me in Memphis. I had great mentors in professional wrestling. Earlier in my career, a guy named Hank Vest, And Roger Vest, when I started setting up rings, 12 and 13 years old, and a guy called Killer J.D. Kent, and later on a guy called Flying Fred Curry and Wild Bull Curry were mentors. And uh, then uh, Bill Dundee was a great mentor. I had a lot of teachers. You know, think about it. We didn't have – we didn't have – we didn't have – Wrestling schools back in those days. You know what I'm saying? So you learned in the ring, hands on experience. So Bill Dundee was nothing but good to me. He was stiff in the ring and he hurt me a lot with that bull whip. And it hurt, believe you me. As a matter of fact, look, quick story he, he, uh, Tommy Rogers and I was wrestling him in Oklahoma, him and Dutch tell outside. Well, they come chasing us in the bull whip before the match starts. Well, they're chasing up that bullwhip because we know it's going to hurt. And we're the baby face is running. Tommy Rogers picks up rocks. I, I run into the ring. Tommy Rogers runs to the back, picks up rocks, and starts throwing it at the uh, at Dundee and Mantell for real to hurt him. Rocks. And Tommy goes to the dressing room and don't come out for the match, and I wrestled him myself for the old match. Tommy was tired of getting beat with a whip. And I was too. You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, yeah. I feel like you guys uh, always are on, like, the uh, you know the other end of something crazy because you were in a lot of scaffold yeah. matches as well.
2: I, worked, I wrestled a couple. My first one, the first two was with Eric Embry. As a matter of fact, three of them. I was one in San Antonio in 83, in Corpus Christi, and I think the other one was in Temple, Texas. And I became a part of the tag team, the Fantastics, and we were in scaffold matches in Texas Stadium. And then we were in a series of scaffold matches with the Midnight Express later on during the bashes, I think, or something like that. I can't remember. And I'm afraid of heights, so you tell me. I don't know how I even got up there. I'm scared to death of heights. It was dangerous.
0: (laughs) Is that the type of match they have to, like, talk you in to do? You know, basically, um," you know, kind of really push you out there to do it?
2: Well... Not really. It was just a it was just a part of the part of the week and I mean that might sound strange to you guys, but when we'd wrestled in barbed wire matches and wrestled in all kinds of things, then then the scaffold was nothing. I mean it was, don't get me wrong, one false move. Eric Embry did the craziest thing and when I think of this and I want you to picture this up on the scaffold. You know, like each end where the ring is, is not over the ring, but it's out over the ringside area. Do you understand what I'm saying? The mm-hmm. scaffold, the long scaffold runs across it. But the rigging, the uh the uh shoot, I can't think of the name of it. I know what they are, but I can't think of the name of it. Uh the uh what the scaffold's built up on, right? right? Eric Embry would get to the edge of that. And when I'd hit him, he would arch his back back and look like he was about ready to fall at any minute, and he would pull himself back. I don't know how he did it. I don't want to know. But you see what a lot of people don't realize, that scaffold's shaking the whole time you're up there. When you're moving, it's shaking a little bit. Because Bobby Jagger said in, after the San Antonio uh, scaffold match, he said, man, he said, "You guys should be able to get up there and do everything." Well, he got up on the scaffold in Corpus Christi, right before the people came in. The people's coming in. He got up on it and stood, and then he got down on his knees, and he was only one by himself. He couldn't move. <laughs> it was so scary when you're standing up there looking down, and then it's shaking a little bit. Do You understand what I'm saying?
0: Oh yeah, can't imagine. You know what it
2: all. You know what it proves, guys. That either we're totally crazy, or we love wrestling that much. Now we all fit in each in each different thing. So you, some days I might have been totally crazy, and other days I just love the wrestling business so much. You know what I mean?
0: Definitely. And uh,
2: you know, you got to love the
0: business to travel all those miles and do all those crazy matches, and you know, be in it for basically. 40 years plus. I mean, you've been in the business for a years, very, very long years. time.
2: For, 40 years. I've, I've uh, on June the 17th, 2017 will be 40 years. I think it's June 17th or the 14th. Now I'm forgetting. I've done it for 40 years and I've got a chance to meet some of the nicest people that I'd ever want to meet. I'm just a small town boy. I, I see my little league ball coach and he said, Jimmy, I tell everybody, every kid that comes through this little league that, that, about your story, that I asked you when you were nine years old what you, wanted to, what you wanted to be when you grew up, and you told me you wanted to be a professional wrestler. You wanted to travel the world. And he said, you have done that. Now, listen, you hear people say when you ask them, how are you today, living a dream? Brother, I have, I have lived the dream, and I am still living the dream. I am truly blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And I'm very thankful for this opportunity to be on your show. And I hope the people out there hear me realize that that I'm just blessed beyond all measures. And my son, uh, Dylan, who's wrestling as Fargo, we're still a little bit while I'm left living out the fantastic tradition, family tradition. And it's not an insult to Tommy Rogers, nor my brother, nor anyone else that has wore the tucks beside me. But it's just a thank you to the fans. You know, Tommy Roger and I has always said the word, the fantastics, come from the fans, fanatic. And we were all about the fans. And it wasn't no show or no act. It was. We gave all. We gave all in that ring. Every night we stepped in that ring. It's almost like the song turning the page of Bob Seeger. We gave every ounce of energy. We gave it away every night. What for? To entertain those great wrestling fans in whom I am one as well. That is why we did what we did. And that is why I'm blessed today, to still be able to go out and do that. I can still go out and do that, and I'm very thankful that God has blessed me with the health and with the abilities to go do it. Now people say, weren't you beat up? Yeah. Some days are worse than others, but some days I feel like a 17-year-old kid again, believe you me, and I'm 56 years old, and I just do. I don't know if it's just mentally or physically, but lately I've been feeling really good. I've had my days where I can hardly walk, but, and my neck's messed up, and my shoulders, and this and that, and I've had an eye problem, I don't know if you guys have heard of, where I'm blind in one eye, and, uh, stuff, but, uh. Other than that, I'm, I'm tougher than a $2 steak. And, Pally, let me tell you something. I'm meaner than a rattlesnake.
1: woo
0: <laughs> Awesome stuff there. And, uh, you know, throughout your career, obviously Tommy Rogers and you, the Fantastics, definitely go hand-in-hand. Hand. But you did, you know, we mentioned your brother before. You did team with your brother as well. Did you like
2: teaming yeah. with uh, Jackie Fulton especially oh, down there in my Smoky brother, Mountain? Yeah, my brother was phenomenal. He was taller than me, which added a different dimension to the tag team. And he was, I, you know what? My drop kick is not one of the greatest. And I had to wrestle with two guys, Tommy Rogers and my brother, Jackie Fulton, who threw the two of the best drop kicks in professional wrestling. They could hit a guy six foot four right in the nose. And, uh, And, yes, I enjoyed wrestling with my brother. I broke him in the wrestling business. He, I don't know if you know it or not, but he went on to be the Eagle with the Patriot in All Japan. And he went there early. And then later on, he was just, uh, first we called him Maddo George Hines, and he was just George Hines that continued to wrestle in All Japan. And when you have a schedule in All Japan like that, there's got to be some meat to the substance. And my brother George was a tremendous, uh, athlete, a tremendous professional wrestler. And like uh, Jimmy Garvin told me, he said, Man, your brother's a top hand. And when you got someone like gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, gives your brother a compliment like that, then it means something. You understand what I'm saying.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the Eagle and the Patriot had quite a time in All Japan Pro Wrestling. We kind of alluded to before, you're running All Japan Pro Wrestling against yep. Cross and the Furnace, the Bulldogs. Yeah. Kibashi, we wrestled the eagle. We wrestled.
2: We wrestled the eagle and the patriot quite a few times over there. Tommy and I.
0: Yeah, and we even uh, even the heavenly bodies over there as well,
2: which is pretty cool. Yep, yep. Uh, Tom and, and Jimmy Del Rey, they were a great tag team, and uh, you know, uh, my goodness, like I said, Dynamite my kid. I still feel that he was one of the greatest. Has ever laced up a pair of boots? I mean, as far as just uh, uh, mechanics and ability and and and, and in ring talent was unbelievable. I I don't think I've seen any or much that could top them, You know, guys.
0: Definitely, and uh, you know, as we start to wind it down here, we, we were talking about all like you know the memorable match in your career and all these awesome names and all these you know crazy matches you had. And we kind of alluded to some of your favorites, but is there a couple other favorite matches that really stick out in your career that you'd love to go back and watch?
2: Well, I don't really like to watch any of my matches oh. I really I really don't I don't know why I mean i, I I'll watch them sometimes, but uh, I like watching the older wrestling than even when I was there uh, but uh, i I do I do like the Kikuchi and the Malenko match. And I there's a few that I like to watch, but I really don't. I don't know. I personally, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know why I don't like to watch them. It's not the. I guess I don't know why. It's not that I don't like them. It's just I guess I critique myself too much when I watch them. Have you ever heard someone say that?
0: They Definitely, say, yeah. you're. always your actors. You're the worst like to watch. Yeah, them, stuff like That's that. That's
2: why. Yeah. Now you get me a good old wild bull Curry and Luis Martinez match, or or the Sheik, or or somebody like that, man. I could sit and watch that for three days straight without going to bed, man. You know, <laughs> but uh,
1: and and
2: Ben Justice and the Stomper and uh, the Outlaws, Dick Murdoch and Dusty Rhodes and them, all that stuff and everything. You know, I don't I don't I don't know if you guys know this or not, but my hometown, Chillicothe, Ohio. Had a lot of great professional wrestlers come from it. Ray Stevens. My dad went to school with Ray Stevens. He was here for a short time before he broke into wrestling, Ray the Crippler. Then the great Mephisto, who calls himself Frankie Kane, is really Jimmy Alt from Chillicothe, Ohio. And then I mentioned some of the other wrestlers that were around here. I started, I started setting the ring up when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And uh, they had a promotion out of Chillicothe that... Back then, it wasn't independent wrestling, but it was outlaw wrestling. If you weren't part of the NWA, then you were an outlaw, and they were the largest governing body back in those days. You know what I'm saying? So uh, just the AWA was a puny little regional territory, and the same with the WWF it was just regional, but the NWA was the largest governing body of professional wrestling. And uh, and I, I love... Like, like I like these old. I like to look at these old stuff. Like Tom Burke. Have you ever heard of Tom Burke, guys? Yes. Tom Burke. I tell him he's Mister Wrestling. He shares stuff on Facebook with Jack Pfeffer and things, and I love all that stuff. Jack Pfeffer, Jackie Fargo. Before he passed, as a matter of fact, my son was the last one to learn the Fargo strut from Fargo, and I told my son, I said, he can do that better. You can do that better than I can do it more like Jackie Fargo. You know, everybody that went through Tennessee learned how to do the Fargo strut, whether you were Jerry the King Lull or Superstar Bill Dundee, or or the Fabulous Worms, or anyone for that matter. That was part, if you didn't know the Fargo strut or about Jackie Fargo when you got to Tennessee, when you left Tennessee, you, you uh, knew it. And one thing, I'm going to throw something in here tonight. I fixed pork chops and, and steamed rice for my son and I in my rice cooker, Tojo Yamamoto got that for me back in 1982. And I still oh. cook rice in it, and I still think about Tojo. I mean, uh, you know, what a big name in Tennessee and Kentucky and everything. I still think of Tojo Yamamoto. It's amazing that rice cooker still works, ain't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> crazy. It's, it's as old as uh, I am, pretty much. and It's crazy. It's yeah. just, uh...
2: I'm only I'm only 29, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we mentioned before, um, you know, some of your your greatest opponents and stuff. Would you say your your favorite opponent was probably like as yeah, a tag team with the Fantastics? Would you think it was the Midnight Express, given the you know the chemistry you guys had, or maybe the Herders?
2: Well. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I think yes. Some of our greatest matches was the fan, was uh, the fantastic against Midnight Express, and I think also with the Herders, And the reason why is for, for different reasons, of course. Uh, I think that the Herders helped lift us up to a, another level due to the bloody battles and fights. But you can't look here. Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. One of the, one of the greatest. Tag teams of all times. You know, and you you can't have the Midnight Express without Jim Cornette. uh, as far as I'm concerned. He added so much to the team. He was a lot of the he was the brains behind it. That's like Tommy Rogers told me. He said people would say, How did you figure how did you well how did you come to do that? He said, "I, I don't know. He said, Bobby just said that. And 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 uh am talking about Bobby Fulton, talking about me. And uh, Jimmy Cornett was the brains. A lot of those moves, a lot of them was brain uh, came from Jim Cornett, you know what I'm saying, and everything like that. Jim loves the wrestling business. I mean, uh, he's a dear friend of mine today. And uh, did I ever tell ta- you, real quick, guys, did you ever see that video where I shaved his head? Did you guys fall asleep? No, no, we didn't. De-
5: no, I thought John was uh, I was on mute there for a second. Yeah, no, we definitely, of course we've seen that.
2: He wanted to kill me. If it wasn't for Sonny King holding him down, he wanted to kill me. The words he used, he couldn't. they couldn't have been on video today, but it could be on his radio show, or I mean, his podcast that he does, but you couldn't put that on broadcast television, the words he was saying to me. He wanted to kill me that day. He went out there looking like a half between animal and a half of Hawk, the road warriors, on his head with every, both styles of haircuts that day. But, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to get on here and talk Chad to you and John to you. You guys have let me ramble on here a long time. And I just want to say to all the wrestling fans out there, if it wasn't for any of them, and I'm talking to you, Chad, and I'm talking to you. John, I'm talking to anyone that's listening to me tonight or today or whenever they listen to this, that it's the wrestling fans that are the backbone to professional wrestling. And any of us that were fans as kids and went on to do it, and I'm one, and I'm a big fan of it today, you just remember if it wasn't for the fans, there would be no wrestling. And I'm very thankful to each and every one of them. For their loyalty, you'll never find any more loyal fans than wrestling fans. I mean, they're the greatest people in the world. And Tommy Rogers and I felt that and realized that, and I think that's what helped us go as far as we went for as long as we did. And uh, I'm just thankful for this opportunity to come on your show tonight and share some of my thoughts and some of my views and some of my likes. You know, on dislikes, I really, there's not a whole lot I could say because the good outweighs the bad. I'm just thankful that God gave me the opportunity to uh, get a chance to live a dream, and I mean really live a dream, and for that, I'm ever thankful.
5: Absolutely, and it's been such a fantastic walk down memory lane. If I could say so myself, we really appreciate the time. and. You know, we like to uh, really pride ourselves on uh, just exploring a lot of the great old tag team wrestling, and we couldn't have it any other way than to have the Fantastics and, of course, the great Bobby Fulton joining the program. So if you can, if you want to give uh, a few minutes here at the end, just uh, please share with the listeners of the Two Man Power Trip Wrestling, just where they can find anything and everything in the world of Bobby Fulton.
2: Well, I got a Facebook in which – it's Bobby Fulton, fantastic Bobby Fulton. I think it is uh, James Hines. And uh, they can fo- Twitter, follow me on all that social media stuff. I don't have a .com right now. It was taken down, but I'm going to try to get something put back up. But listen, uh, World Classic Professional Big Time Wrestling is our company. They can like our Facebook page on that. It shows you some footage and stuff from some of our shows. If you see that I'm resting in your area, come out. Come up and see me. I might not be what I once was, but every once in a while, I'm as great as I ever was. And uh, I just look forward to seeing meeting all the people and also you, uh, John and Chad, uh, seeing you guys down the road. God bless y'all. Wish you nothing but good things with this program.
5: Well, thank you so much, Bobby. It's our pleasure and absolutely It was, like I said, a fantastic time. But thanks so much. Appreciate it. And have a a great night. We will see you down the road.
2: Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless. Take care.
4: Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world
2: is downloading.